Hey, Hefas. Welcome to Hefa Legacy, a leadership development podcast for impact-driven and rule-breaker Latinas. I'm Crystal Alvarez, and I will be your host for this podcast. So, a little bit about myself. I am a queer Mexican-American Latina, first-gen. I love soccer, so I'm over the moon right now with the World Cup. And two of my greatest passions in life are leadership development and multimedia. So this space is going to be a combination of those two things and it means so much to me because it is a pure fact that we need more Latina women in leadership and we don't just need you in the future, we need you right now. Right now. There are statistics, there are stories that show that we are misrepresented and underrepresented across all industries and we are really needed in those boardrooms, in the classroom, in the corporate offices, in the art studios, right? We need you in there and that is going to create the most impact and better serve our communities in the best way. So I know that you probably looked at my title and you're thinking, okay, she's saying that Baby Shark changed her life. And I know that's a big claim, but this Baby Shark song, yes, I'm talking about the Baby Shark do-do-do-do-do-do, Baby Shark do-do-do, okay, I'll stop. (laughs) But this Baby Shark song really brings me back exactly 10 years to the summer of 2012, which I think was the catalyst to my leadership development and my leadership journey, because it was the first time in my life that I really saw myself in the energy of a leader and that I really believed that I was worthy of being a leader. So how did I hear about Hobie, Arizona? Why was I chosen for it? And how did this all happen? Well, it started with my guidance counselor, and essentially I was just called up, and I was told that I had been nominated for this conference, and apparently I was now considered, quote, an ambassador. And hearing the word ambassador, I feel like I had always thought that was like, a government type term. So I'm like, okay, well, leadership sounds interesting and I'm excited and I'm honored that I was selected. But also now I'm like, well, if I'm an ambassador, then I feel like that sounds like, you know, the ambassador of Canada or the ambassador of the United States or some type of like high level representative. And I'm like, I'm not really sure one, if I have the qualities to fit that, but I guess I'm going to try my best. But it did create some pressure in thinking that I had to represent my school on a certain level, so I did feel a little bit of anxiety thinking, okay, like now I have to go in and really prove, right, that that I'm a good ambassador to my school and things like that. But fast forward to a few weeks before the conference, and I get reached out to by our facilitator, who is going to be my group leader, and they tell me that we get an assigned group color. And you're supposed to wear that color on the first day and then for a few other things because colors are used like as identifying groups at this conference. And guess what color I got? Maroon. Well, lucky for me, I did not own a single piece of maroon clothing, not a single piece. So now me and my mom have to stress about finding a maroon shirt for me to wear for a four-day conference right? And my family and I didn't have a lot of money at the time. So the first thing we did was go to a place called Value Village, which was near my house. And it was a local thrift shop. And we went through every single rack. 
I mean, women's section, men's section, and we could not find a single maroon shirt. I mean, there was every shade of red besides maroon. But eventually, I don't even remember how or where we found it because I think we ended up going to some other stores. But I found a long sleeve Under Armour compression shirt that was like a combination of burgundy and red. And it's funny because I ended up wearing that shirt and not really the best idea looking back. And then once I was there, because it was during the summer that the conference was held and I live in Arizona. So summers are brutal. And to use my sister's quote from the first time we moved to Arizona and my dad asked her how she felt um, in the middle of June and she said, quote, está candente, which means that it's hotter than hell. It's scorching. It's burning. So there I was later on wearing this maroon shirt, getting super sweaty, um, and it was just not good. But we'll dive into that a little bit later. So we found this shirt and then it was time to pack our things up and head to the conference. So we're on our way to the conference and we weren't really sure how to get there because it was at a local university called Arizona State University and we had never been there which is really funny because now I that's actually where I graduated from and it's where I teach but at the time we had no clue where it was. It was in Tempe which was about 45 minutes from our house and we're just hoping that we can find this place because you know, back then, you don't really easily have access to maps in your phone. You're kind of just trying to figure it out. So my sweet mom and me are on our way to the conference and we eventually turn a corner and we know that this is where the conference is. And you might be thinking, oh, there was probably a sign. Well, there was definitely a sign. And the signs were people holding signs that said, Hobie hugs, welcome to Hobie. Um, we love Hobie AZ, and I'm telling you that I have never seen this type of energy in my entire life because these people that were volunteers and part of Hobie, Arizona, they were holding these signs and dancing with them and jumping up and down with them and just yelling about how excited they were for you to be there. Like this was their life dream And it was their mission in life to make sure that you felt welcomed. Honestly, the energy that even just driving past was giving me was like, imagine being your favorite artist or like, to give you a modern example, like Bad Bunny, where you're walking into a concert venue or you're driving past your fans and they're just sending you all this love, all this energy that's so positive And they just love and believe in you to the max potential. And this is exactly how Hobie AZ made me feel. And I remember getting out of the car. I was scared. I was nervous. But I said bye to my parents, tried not to shed a little tear since, like I said, it was my first time sleeping away from home. And I remember walking into the courtyard where all of the color groups were already there, like the students that are already there. And there was these facilitators, which are the adult leaders in the groups, and they were having a blast. Like, all of them were wearing different colors. All of them had all this swag. So they had be- they had hats. They had beads. Some of them had complete costumes. And I remember seeing this guy 
that he was the orange group leader and he was literally wearing a orange traffic cone on his head (laughs) and like I was like you've got to be kidding me but like as much as I thought it was super weird like I loved it because that is very much in line with my personality and I was still kind of getting out of my shell at the time but I was like wow like these people are definitely my people and I think that energy and this that support and that feeling of you know being enough and belonging is what really made Hobie just so impactful in my life and I think it's really what transformed my journey and believing that I was a leader because the moment I walked in I felt welcomed and as we continued on through the conference right I learned about my leadership style I learned how to work with different types of leaders I learned how I could better serve as a leader but more importantly I learned that other people believed that I was a leader even if I didn't fully believe it in myself and I think that in becoming a leader one of the most powerful things that can happen is that you can shift your belief in knowing that you have the potential for leadership or that you are a leader and like I said sometimes that person can be you and other times you need someone else to believe in you and I'm really lucky because my mom and my dad and my family even though we did have some more traditional Mexican values and uh, both of them were immigrants so they wanted me to you know go to school and study and do all these things I was never pushed to become a certain person or to, you know, become a doctor or a lawyer. My parents always trusted and believed that, you know, I would be successful and that I was allowed to chase my wildest dreams. And like I said, they they always supported me. But I feel like in this specific conference, it really just flipped that switch inside of me to not only feeling like other people believe in me because every single person at this conference believed in me. But I remembered that all these support systems believed in me. And more importantly, I felt like I believed in me after this conference. And I feel like this concept is so important to me and to my personal legacy as a leader because I want to be that person for you. If you are someone that does not feel worthy of being a leader, if you do not feel capable, maybe you don't feel like you have the right tools, like I am more than happy to be there for you because I know the power of at least one person believing in you and if I can shift some of that energy to you and you believe in yourself and if we can build a community of Latinas that are powerful leaders that believe in their potential that know that they are worthy of leadership I mean the impact that we are going to make is going to be beyond what we could have ever imagined and our community is going to go from hopefully surviving to thriving and like I said that's why singing this baby shark song for four days straight really shows that transformation because I remember on that first day I honestly was (laughs) essentially too cool to sing the song and I'm not gonna lie I pretended to sing I would do it all the time in church (laughs) I hope my mom doesn't hear that right now Um, I did start singing later on when I got more confidence but I don't know. I I was an athletic person growing up and singing, I feel like wasn't really one of my better abilities or I just felt self-conscious doing it. So when we got introduced to this chant of Baby Shark, I started doing the hand motions, but I didn't really want to sing. I kind of pretended to sing, but 
honestly, a day and a half later, I was singing this song at the top of my lungs because I felt so safe and so supported in this community. And I was having so much fun because this song and this like almost right childish song, like this like play like thing of chanting really just like was so healing to to my inner child at the time, right? Even being a child, but it really brought out like that like younger version of myself that was so spontaneous and that would just dance and and sing and play with absolutely no care in the world. So like I said, singing Baby Shark just was so transformative and I'm so lucky because I knew this song before it was popular, right? Which makes me feel cool. <laughs> just kidding. No, but knowing this song and being able to lead this chant, like now I actually have a uh, almost three-year-old niece and she absolutely loves this song and she loves to sing it and you know what like I have no shame no embarrassment in singing this song with her no matter where we are we can sing it at home we can sing it in the grocery store we can sing it in the car and it's so special to me because like to think about how like she's gonna hold these memories of us hold singing these songs and we're gonna have these like video clips of us singing these songs and she's gonna see that you know she's always had people that support her and want to play like her and you know that don't have a problem singing these songs so it's just uh, like this song it, it's it's so wild to me how <laughs> singing a song like that can can make you feel so connected to to someone and make you feel so free essentially um but like I said Hobie was incredible but I would be lying to say right if everything in life didn't always come with the duality of having a lot of positivity but then there also come the reality checks or the areas of improvement so I think for me there was a lot of reality checks in Hobie and it brought up a lot of like insecurities and even lack of privileges that I never knew I had. And like one of the biggest things that I remember was just walking in and seeing how a lot of the speakers that we were having at this conference were often um, white men, often cisgender and I was really lacking that re representation of having, you know, a strong Latina women that, you know, had the strength and vulnerability that I aspire to be like presenting at this conference, um, saying, you know, that we are worthy of leadership, that she had done all these incredible things, X, Y, and Z. Um, and, and I didn't have that. I, I don't even think there was a lot of people of color, honestly. And then being a member of the queer community now, I didn't see a lot of representation of the LGBTQ plus community um, in the speakers. So that's something that I think was really missing for me and could have made it a lot more impactful and could have made me feel a lot more connected because like I said, I really felt like I belonged, but then I didn't, right? And it was like, there was both. So I think that another thing I really remember was there was this super emotional part of the conference for me and it was when there was a presentation that was called Rachel's Challenge and what it was about was the story of a young woman named Rachel who was killed in the Columbine shootings in 1999 
And even just reflecting on this today, like my voice starts to change because I feel emotional how this is still something that is a challenge in 2022. And thinking about it back then, you know, we were hoping that with this program and with what we were learning about kindness and about how to hopefully prevent bullying and how to better serve high school students in mental health. It's still something that's happening today. But during this presentation, the lights were off and I remember absolutely bawling my eyes out. And I felt so much shame almost in in crying, but I also felt so much release because it was so upsetting to me what had happened to her, what happened at the high school. And I think that moment really taught me that I still, you know, didn't feel comfortable in my emotions. And a lot of my Latino conditioning had taught me that I needed to hide and that I needed to be strong or that I needed to suppress. And that wasn't always healthy for me growing up. So the moment that the lights went on back on and the presentation was over, like, I felt so much tightness in my chest. I felt like a huge lump in my throat, but I com- it's like I completely switched almost into being into a state of like stoic where I was like, oh, I, you know, that was powerful. But it was like, I wanted to be this, right? To use the word ambassador, I wanted to seem like I was okay. I wanted to be like, yeah, that was good. But it's not like I cried or anything. Like I wasn't okay with that. And like... It was something that has taken me the last 10 years to be comfortable with expressing my emotions a lot better, to being okay, right, with with crying, with struggling, with asking for support. And that conference really, right, was a, a big trigger point for that of being like, wow, like, I unfortunately do not feel safe in my culture to share my emotions because we had these really special moments that were called group time at HOBAZ and they happened at the end of the day and a lot of the ambassadors including myself we share like our highs and our lows and sometimes it becomes emotional and it was really special to see other people kind of break down and let those walls down because it was something that I wasn't used to doing Um, and more importantly too like my facilitator he was male And with a lot of the men in Latino culture and in Mexican culture, they're taught to be these rocks, to have no emotion at all. And my facilitator was, you know, one of the first men that I really saw show emotion and and really affirm other men in our young men in our group to show emotion and that it was okay. Overall, though, the biggest sticky point for me happened at a pool party, which was also part of this conference because, right, they wanted to add in some lighter activities. But this was a really kind of hard part for me because one, I didn't own like a two piece or kind of an official swimsuit, which I think is what most high schoolers wore. And then I didn't know how to swim. So growing up, I mainly just wore soccer shorts and a t-shirt whenever I was doing like any type of water activity. And then I also struggled a lot with my body and, you know, hearing my tias say, you know, that oh, had I gained weight or all these other things or even my mom, honestly. And I feel like I was always taught to almost have like fear for my body and and shame for my body and that I needed to be covered up. 
I think a lot of it came from a place of of um, fear for my safety where my parents had experienced maybe something that they didn't want me to experience but that made me really have a lot of kind of issues with my body and in this specific moment teens that are my age are wearing two-piece swimsuits they're having so much fun in the pool they're swimming and I'm just sitting here in a corner right wearing my t-shirt and shorts and I remember someone specifically asking me like if I had even brought a swimsuit or why wasn't I getting into the pool and where was my swimsuit and I got kind of quiet because like I felt you know embarrassed and shamed that 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 was my swimsuit what I what I was wearing was my swimsuit because I had never worn a two-piece swimsuit in my life um, my conditioning of my culture and my history had taught me that you know it wasn't safe to wear a swimsuit it wasn't appropriate that I could provoke men with the clothing that I was wearing and that ultimately you know I should have shame for my body and that I should protect my body for you know religious or for cultural reasons so this moment like I said really stuck with me because here I was you know feeling afraid embarrassed of my own body which it had taken me through those 15 16 years of life and given me so much but there I was judging that body and hiding it and also not swimming because I had never learned how to swim my parents growing up in small towns in Mexico they swam for survival they swam because they needed to get across a river they swam because they needed to you know fetch water they swam because they needed to save one of their cattle from drowning Um, but they never swam just for fun just for enjoyment and there I was with that opportunity but I didn't know how and I didn't feel comfortable in what I was wearing so I I guess it just blows my mind to to think back to now because I I love swimming I learned to swim later on as an adult but I love to swim Um, I think it's really practical to wear a swimsuit and I think it can be very empowering to a woman so you know just something that just wow I think I'm just gonna take a moment here to one, just feel the gratitude of, of sharing this story with you. And two, just to think about my final takeaway for this podcast and to tell you about what has stuck with me at this conference and something that I hope always sticks with me and that's a part of my legacy as a leader. And it's that tiny little actions can create chain reactions. And I love the concept of a chain reaction because it's like a domino and oftentimes you think of dominoes and and they're falling and and the idea of falling can have a negative connotation, right? Or it can have a, a meaning behind of like things are falling or things are out of control. And even for me, like sometimes when, you know, I'm having a bad day, like I talk about how like the dominoes are all falling or you start to spiral and that that's kind of falling as well. But chain reactions can also be dominoes and domino effects don't have to be negative they can be positive so if you think of yourself as that domino and if you become the most empowered leader that you can be then you can create the most impact as a leader and once your domino falls of impact it continues to hit other dominoes and the effect that i can have is just limitless right 
Think about the possibility of how many dominoes can be in that chain. It can start with your community. If you're a younger person, it can start in your school. If you're someone that is already working somewhere, it can start in your organization. Then it can shift to your community, right? If you're starting with your neighborhood, it can start with your neighborhood. Then it can move to your city. Then it can move to your whole state. Or it can shift to other states. Then across the country. Then globally. So I just love that tiny little actions can create chain reactions and that's something that I learned from Rachel's challenge and something that I took because one of the things Rachel really talked about and something that was really meaningful to her was that kindness and that kindness even in a tiny little action could create a chain reaction you could turn someone's day around just by smiling and maybe by them smiling they could smile at someone else and that could create a positive reaction right so For me, with this podcast and in starting this podcast, I took the tiny action to share my story and I hope that this podcast creates a tiny action in you and whether that be that you feel inspired to improve in your leadership, to become a more impactful leader, inspired to go do something positive for a community, inspired to write to me because you disagree with something I'm saying, right? Just inspired, just activated in some way to be a part of that domino effect um, is everything I want with this podcast. I look forward to inviting other Latina women to talk about their personal stories and again, be part of that domino effect where we support our community and that slowly we all become more connected and that hopefully we can create that that shift in our community that will take us from merely surviving to thriving and yes it's not going to happen overnight and yes I understand that there's different privileges that different members in our community have but I do believe that by working together and by creating all these little chain reactions um, that we will be able to thrive and that we we will have excuse me, the most impact. So again, thank you for hearing my story. Thank you for listening. And I just want to remind you that you are a hundred percent and more worthy of leadership, that you are worthy just on your own and that you can and will build a legacy and be able to chase your deepest dreams and desires by becoming that leader that you deserve to be and that our community needs. So, so much love. I will talk to you soon.